All right, all right. Welcome everybody to True Life Church this morning. It is so, so good to be here with you. I want to welcome you. First time visitors, we're so glad you came today. All those watching online, I always just look at the back. All those watching online, we're so glad that you tuned in today. Some of you may be underwater a little bit, I don't know. Uh, one of my sons lives down by the beach now, and he was giving high tide reports this morning. But it is good to be here. If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Perry, one of the ministers here on staff, and it is always a delight to be here today. Uh, for those who don't know, just a couple of days ago, uh, I got back along with John and Sherry Mauser from Eswatini and South Africa after spending a couple of weeks there just kind of uh, strategizing and getting a plan for you guys maybe to go with us in the future uh, there. That's the plan anyway. But we had a wonderful time. I mean, who doesn't like getting on a plane and flying for 15 plus hours to get somewhere? That's always a pleasure. Uh, and then 15 hours flying back, going through customs and all the other stuff. And uh, we had a blast. You know, you laugh, you cry, you laugh some more. They were usually laughing at me, but uh, we had just a, a great, great time there. And uh, I don't want to spend all the time, but I could spend the next three hours. You all would get bored after a while, but I wouldn't. Uh, so we'll cut. I, I decided this, though. I thought that I would just bring a handful of pictures. I didn't bring all of them. I think Jerry had said just on the, on the camera, uh, I, I did like 16 or 1,800 pictures, and then the cell phones of the three of us captured. So I'm only going to do, I don't know, six or eight pictures here. But just kind of wanted to give you a taste of a little bit of this. And so this first picture, we stopped in a place called Alzu, South Africa, to refuel. And yeah, and I promise you we are not pointing at Sherry here, okay? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> gotcha. Uh, <laughs> we just saw this sign and thought, oh, that's great. Doesn't that describe like our country a lot of times? You know, <laughs> stupidity is not a disability. So we started out by having fun. We hadn't even reached our uh, first destination. And so go ahead and show the next picture. This is at one of the schools, the feeding centers, one of the preschools. And, uh, yeah, the kids, I like it, you know, like, yeah. Uh, we're, we're here, a lot of fun, a lot of, lot of excitement while we were there. So go ahead. Uh, I, I got to speak on this picture for just a second. Um, John, Sherry, I expected it out of Sherry, but John was just a natural, you know, with this. I'm still getting my camera out of the van, and John is being mobbed by kids. And he's down to the ground. He's got one of those apps that you know, put mouse ears and uh, it's raining. <laughs> There's no birds in here, I hope. <laughs> uh, but it puts mouse ears and funny faces. These kids mob him so much. I don't have the next picture here, but all you see is his nose and his smile. They just like in, in covered him up. But we had a great time doing that. Let's get another one here. This is Sherry loving on the kids, which we did a lot of that. And go ahead. This is me doing a version of Simon Says with some of the kids, and they're imitating me. And uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I thought you'd like to see this one here. Yeah, who doesn't like little baby elephant? And mama who would stomp you to death if you got too close. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead. This little fella. If you go with us, we'll see if we can get you a saddle, and maybe you could ride this. At your own risk, of course. And don't ask me where this picture was taken. We were asked to not reveal locations of places only because, Ryan, you put it out and you start saying this was at XYZ. Poachers love rhino horns. And uh, they would kill this animal and just take the horn and leave the body uh, if, if poachers got a hold of it. Next one. Yeah, this fella, he liked to look in every once in a while. And give us a peek. Look at that mountain range behind it. It's just gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. All right, let's do another one. Here's another wrinkly. There, that, that one's old like me, I guess. Got all the wrinkles uh, there. And uh, let, let's see what's next. Yeah, this is cool. 
Yeah. It's not every day you see a giraffe walking across the road in front of you. You think hitting a deer would mess your car up? Uh, <laughs> you know, those are big, big animals. I've seen them up closer than that before. So, yeah. And then here's the final one. This is the awe moment. Like, aw. Watch this. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, love that. And then, you know, this is the waitress bringing our salad uh, to us with that. Yeah. So, wouldn't y'all love to experience that? I mean, this was one of those things, the first time I went there, I never dreamt in my life I would get to go on a trip like this. And the kids, you know, we've got a thousand plus pictures of the kids and feeding the kids and loving on the kids. And uh, we, we, we handed out stickers. Sherry brought enough stickers, I think, for half of Africa. And they were, they were putting it. And I, I'll tell you a funny little story. These, these kids in one of the schools, that Sherry and John were putting the stickers and the kids were coming to me and they showed me the picture, the, like showed me the sticker on their hand. And if it was a dog, I'd go, Ruff! cat, meow. If it was a, a goat, I'd go, bah. And the last kid in line is a snail. I wanted to go, ah! but I didn't scare the kid. But we had such a wonderful time. Um, you know, the, it, it, was, it was such a great time with John and Cherry. We went to just fact find to look and to see what it would take to bring a group of you there with us in the future uh, where we could work our tails off, have a day where we could go on a safari, but spend most of the time helping the children, working, building something, you know, something that true life could, could not only minister one time, but something true life could leave our mark over there. And I want to tell you, this trip and the things that are going on there, it's because of your faithful giving. It really is. Uh, because, you know, we have Legacy coming up in, in a few weeks. And because of your giving, we're already giving over there some. Uh, some of you are giving, you know, supporting kids and doing different things. And uh, besides that, we're able from our missions to just give some money. And we actually, last year, this was with two different organizations that we went over to see. And last year, we were able to donate to both organizations. And both of them are doing fine jobs working with those kids. So I want to say on behalf of the pastor uh, here, thank you so much for your giving and your support uh, all the time. It wasn't just a trip, but it was you guys partnering to get that done. And, and I look forward to, I had people after first service say, I would like to go. Great. Start saving your money now. Uh, it's not a cheap trip, but it's worth every penny when you go. Absolutely worth every penny. And, uh, you know, every time I felt the Lord wanted me to go, and that's the most important thing, pray about it. Uh, God has always supplied. When I didn't have anything in the bank to put towards it, God has always supplied. Uh, when he tells you to do something, he will. So that's just that. Listen, I'll, I would love to bore you uh, with a whole lot of pictures, and I have them, and just say, hey, could you show me some more sometime? Gladly. Uh, bring a pillow, and we'll, sit, <laughs> uh, we'll go through it. But again, thank you so much. This was, again, just such a whirlwind. I enjoyed watching uh, John and Sherry with me. I've been there several times, but I enjoyed watching them light up and just you know, like I said, jump into it and, and, and do so much. It, it really was a great moment and, and uh, look forward to taking some of you there in the future. Let's just pray. I want to change the shift here and focus on the message. Father God, I thank you and praise you this day. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I thank you for this wonderful opportunity that we had to travel overseas and to be a part uh, of the lives of those kids and the staff and the workers so much, Father. Give us wisdom for the future. Touch our minds now, Lord, as we enter into your word. Help me to, to proclaim exactly what you want me to, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, praise God. Um, I didn't uh, adjust as quickly maybe as the others did. 
I'm still very tired. And I asked the ushers that if I fall asleep while preaching uh, and start snoring to come and wake me up so I can finish. If not, my notes are up here. Someone can just jump right in. But no, it, it's a joy to be here. I did get, you know, one of the times I went to Africa in Zimbabwe, they, they blessed me by making me, uh, giving me my African name, which is Jabula. Jabula means uh, to rejoice. They gave me a new name this time. You know, I, we, I go to the first site and these little kids in Eswatini start saying, Nkulu, Nkulu, Nkulu. They weren't saying it to, to uh, uh, John or Sherry, but to me, they were saying, Nkulu. And all I could think of, they're saying, old fat guy. You know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. And then finally they told me, Nkulu means grandfather. And so I went, yes, that's right. And just soon as I see my grandchildren, they're going to not call me Pop-Pop anymore. They're going to call me Nkulu. <laughs> so uh, that, that, was, that was so sweet for them to do that. So today we're concluding You Asked For It. And we looked at all the things that you asked for in the last few weeks. Pastor Michael has been sharing those things. Things like, you know, end time and dealing with some sticky topics that have come up in uh, family. Well, this one for me was things like that, that, that I got, the, the, one of the things that came in. People asked about despair and disappointment and, and forgiveness and all of those. So I kind of knotted them all up into one thing that brings that on maybe more than anything else. I titled this, this message, When Life is Just Not Fair. When Life is Just Not Fair. And I think if we're honest, we've probably all said that. This just isn't fair. I don't know about you, but do you remember maybe when you were little and your cousins are over or your friends are over and you're getting ready to play a game and maybe you've been arguing a little bit. And I can remember my mom saying, even to my brother and sister and I, more to my brother and sister than me, you know, okay, kids, listen, just play fair. Just, no cheating, just play fair. And that would be drilled into us that you must get along and play fair. That's so nice. Moms, thank you for saying that. However, that same mom, that sweet mother, when you turn into a teenager and you really understand what fairness is all about, and you come home one day and you didn't get something, you didn't get picked for something, and you know you earned it, that you, you will go to mom and you'll complain to her and you'll say, Mom, it's just not fair. Because she's taught you about fairness. And that sweet mom of yours will look at you when you're a teenager and say, Well, listen, you better learn right now. Life is not always fair. You told me to be fair, Mom. Listen, one of the rites of passages into adulthood is that realization that life isn't always fair. It just isn't. For reasons that we don't understand, bad things happen to good people. And for even more odd that happens, good things sometimes happen to bad people. It just does. I just thought I wanted to uplift you all today and give you a positive message. <laughs> it's not very positive, Pastor. Okay, here's something positive. I'm positive that sometimes life is not fair. That's your positive message. So listen, we run into problems when we try to impose our definition of fairness on God. Because what's fair to us isn't always God's plan. What we think is fair at the moment, God has something else in store for us. So things are not always fair. When God's action or lack of action doesn't mean our expectation, we start whining and crying that life isn't fair. But God sees a bigger picture where life is fair. And he's got a better plan for us. So I just want to give you a few points this morning. And actually, the first message, pray real hard, maybe it'll happen to you, was probably one of the shortest messages I've preached here. So some of you say, please, Jesus, please, Jesus. 
be fair this one time. So the first thing I want to say is this. God does not have to work by our expectations. God does not have to work by our expectations. He, I mean, sometimes we think God is our servant instead of we serve him. In the book of Luke, the seventh chapter, let me build this up here. Jesus is doing miracles. People are, you know, the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing. Dead people are being raised up from the dead. Great things are happening. John the Baptist, who just a little bit earlier had proclaimed that Jesus was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world and baptized Jesus in the river. And you remember the Father comes down and speaks out and says, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And the Holy Spirit descended like a dove over them. That's a pretty traumatic thing that day, I would say. Now, John has been preaching, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. He preaches at the king and his, his sexual immorality and John is thrown in jail, eventually beheaded. So here's John in a dungeon. He's in jail. And this is where we pick up verse 18. Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all of these things. What did they report? John's in jail. The disciples come, his disciples come to him and say, Hey, this Jesus dude... This guy that you said is the son of God, that this, the lamb of God, the one you crowned as the Messiah, he is healing the sick, he's raising the dead, deaf ears are hearing, great miracles are happening. John was in prison. He's an outdoorsman. I think I'm an outdoorsman, I'm a wuss compared to John. You know what I mean? He wore camel hair for his, for his clothing, he ate locusts and drank honey. That's a tough dude, I'm telling you. You know, he lived it, but he is in a dungeon. He is in a prison right now. Jesus is healing the sick and doing all of this. You crowned him as the Messiah, but this isn't how John nor the Jewish people thought that the Messiah was going to come. You see, they thought the Messiah was going to come on a white horse and he was going to kick butt and take names and he was going to set up his kingdom and things were going to be great. That was the Messiah they were expecting. He's going to return like that one of these days. But that's not this time. And so John is like, wait a minute. What's, what do you mean? He's being nice to people. He's healing people. He's going to the sinners. He's going to the people that did wrong. He's doing all... Did, did I miss this? Because sometimes we expect God to do something a certain way. And if he doesn't, we think God failed us. Have you ever been there? I mean, some of my prayers have been, if I'm honest with myself, God, I want you to do this. And listen, I got this real neat way you can do it, God. <laughs> you know, because you know, I'm really smart. So God, if you would do this this way, you know, if, you know, I, 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 need, I need some money, you know. And so God, uh, I heard Isaac got a bonus this week. So if you would use Isaac to do that, because I heard he's got money, God, in case you didn't know. And if you, you ever prayed like that, you know? Isaac say, I will take that money, yes. You know? <laughs> but sometimes we pray the answer to God, you know. Maybe God doesn't want to use Isaac in that. Maybe he wants to use me and bless me with some overtime if I'm working a job that pays overtime. Maybe he wants me to do something else to acquire that. He wants to show me. But sometimes it doesn't happen the way we think it should happen, so we think God failed. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we, we want to get that certain job. I want that job. And you don't get it. Life's not fair. I earned that job. I deserve that job. But maybe that job would eat your lunch, man. You don't, you don't want to get that job. God knows that, but you don't. Or maybe, you know, we got the certain way that we want God to heal us. You know, I, listen, I prefer divine healing every time. If I'm sick or I've broken something or something isn't right in my body, I would just prefer and I believe in God's healing. And I have been healed by God. I'm standing here today because uh, years ago, God miraculously healed me and there's no explanation for it. It just, my body turned around and started working. 
there's no explanation. God, I prefer that way. But I thank God for good surgeons and for good doctors and good medical professionals and stuff. God may choose that way. One day, God's going to ultimately heal him when I walk the streets of gold. Amen. But if God doesn't do it my way, I get disappointed maybe. Or maybe, you know, I thought by a certain age, I would be financially and every other way right here. And I'm not here. I'm here. And I might think, that's not fair. That's not fair. But listen, God does not have to work by your expectations. Not at all. Number two here is that honest doubt is not a sin. This is very important because a lot of times we feel like if we doubt something, then we must be a terrible Christian. I must be an awful Christian. And because of that, you know, I, I must be in sin. Honest doubt is not a sin. So what happens next, Luke seven nineteen, And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus saying, Are you the coming one or should we look for another? John was not just perplexed by what Jesus was doing. He was perplexed by what he was not doing. Jesus was helping others. Again, healing the sick, raising the dead, touching lives, doing all these great spectacular things. And here I am, John the Baptist, your forerunner, doing all of this stuff, and I'm rotting in jail. And they're talking about killing me. Hey, how about a little bit of that miracle over here, Jesus? Have you ever felt like that? Like, hey, how come they're getting blessed and I'm not getting blessed? How come great things are happening for them and they're not happening for me? And John had his doubts here. Maybe he's just a good guy. Maybe Jesus is just another prophet. Maybe he's all of these things start going through. He was battling with, with, with his doubt, but he didn't give in to his doubt. What do you mean by that? He was the one that said, behold, the Lamb of God. Now he's asking if he missed it. The thing here with John is, he didn't hide his doubts. He brought them out. He said to his disciples that were there, go ask him. Find out. So many times we, we, we struggle with doubt, but we're afraid people will feel less of us. Let me tell you, there's times I doubt. I really do. I mean, there's times that I'm like, Lord, what is going on? There's times I've said, am I even your servant? You know, it's like there's times it just comes. But you know what you do? You seek somebody out. You seek somebody out with wisdom. Somebody that's not going to feel sorry for you, but that's going to motivate you and tell you the truth. He said, go ask Jesus. Go ask him if he's the one. Don't tell him I said he's not the one. I want to know, is he the one? Don't do doubt by yourself. Get somebody filled with faith that has the answers. So many times we go the other way. We don't want help. We're afraid of what people will think of us. I, I remember, you know, as a minister, we're ministers, sometimes we're the most, we're the weakest ones when it comes to doubt as far as reaching out for help. Years ago when I was a member of the denomination, I can remember, like, we were the biggest liars. <laughs> what do you mean the biggest liars? Well, we would come to a ministerial convention and there would be, you know, hundreds of ministers there and you would, you would run into old friends you went to school with or, you know, to, to Bible college with and different things. And you would run into these people with these big things. And maybe your church is going through like the pits right now. You've lost three families. Your finances are down. You know, you, you, it's just like everything going wrong in your church. Churches have seasons like that sometimes. And you pass somebody in the hallway and you call everybody brother or sister. Hey, Brother Perry, good to see you. How's everything going? How's the church? Oh, we are blessed. We are so blessed. You want to trade? <laughs> when inside, you're just like not knowing if you're even a good minister or not. And you would just do this and you would have these doubts and you would hold them in instead of expressing those doubts out to get help. So we went to one of these conventions one time and there was this class that we, I went to and it was talking about being honest. And the, the teacher of the class said, you know what, we do these casual greetings where we say, how are you? Oh, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, because we think that's what we're going to say. If you said something negative, you'd probably blow the tops off of somebody's head, you know. 
And so we walk out of that class and I'm going down the hallway and now here's another group of ministers going to that same class I just had and I recognize one of them. They said, hey, Brother Perry, how you doing? I said, Brother Jerry, good to see you. He said, how's everything going with the church? I said, man, life sucks right now. And Jerry went, oh. <laughs> After the class, he called up with me and he went, I saw what you did. You know? <laughs> but you know, we're, we're afraid to admit our doubts. John was not afraid to reach out with his doubts. Listen, he's asking if he missed it. He didn't hide his doubts. And listen, we can only conquer our doubts when we acknowledge them. We can only conquer doubt when we acknowledge that we have it. If we pretend we're not doubting, if we pretend we're full of faith, we're going to fall flat on our face. There's a difference, however, between doubt and unbelief. Okay? Doubt is a matter of the mind. We cannot understand what God is doing or why he is doing it. But in our heart, we know that God is on the throne and he will take care of everything. We just kind of doubt it at the moment. Okay? Unbelief is a matter of the will. We refuse to believe God's word and we refuse to obey what he tells us to do. No, God doesn't know what he's doing. I'm not going to do this. Listen, almost all the heroes in scripture at one time or another found themselves doubting. Moses, I can't do this. I don't speak very well. I, I, I stuttered my voice and you got the wrong guy here. I can't do this thing of going and speaking to Pharaoh. I just can't do it. Elijah was like, no, I'm, I just can't do this. I mean, uh, just let me die. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, you know, talked about his doubts and the things that he had with there. In John's case, his doubt was not born of willful disbelief. But it was fed by kind of what was going on, by the physical and emotional strain of being thrown into jail for preaching truth. I'm going to tell you, one of the biggest times when doubt will hit you is when you're wore out, when you're tired, when you've been fighting, when things have happened to you that are unfair. That's when it's easy to doubt. That's when you need to reach out. That's why you're part of the body of Christ. That's why you're in the church, to be able to reach out and say, I need help. And let me give you a little thing here. Uh, just, just a little note. We have a lot of gifts in this church. A lot of people are gifted by God. I like to think as a minister, I have a few of the gifts of the Spirit, but I cannot read your mind nor can pastor or no one else in the lead. So you know what? If you're sick and you're out for three weeks and then you say, pastor, nobody called me. I was out for three weeks. Well, you miss three weeks all the time. Ooh, <laughs> let me step back a little bit. And you know what? Sometimes we just blow it. I'm the most forgetful person in the world. I tell people all the time, if I don't answer your text, text me again. Because I got six other texts since yours, and I forgot. Well, I'm not important. Come on now. You know what I'm saying? You got to reach out for help. John is reaching out for help. Some of you don't like me right now. <laughs> I still love you. John sincerely wanted to know the answer. Number three, actions speak louder than words. Actions speak loud. It's just not fair. So here's what happens. Luke 7, 22. Jesus answered and said to them, Go tell John these things that you've seen and heard. That the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Hmm. The disciples of John say, hey, look, John wants to know, are you the one? Are you the one or do we need to keep looking? Are you just a nice guy, good guy doing good things? Or are you the one? Jesus says, go tell them what I'm doing. The proof's in the pudding. The actions prove it. I'm doing these things. Tell John just what I'm doing. I'm not going to defend who I am. I'm going to defend what I'm doing. 
So keep doing the good things. Keep doing those. He's saying, go and tell him what I am doing. And he'll know that I'm the son of God. That's, that's pretty cool. Tell them that the lepers are cleansed. Tell them that, that you know, the, the poor, the gospel is being preached to them. Has God ever touched your life? Has he ever brought you out of despair? Has he ever healed you? What you need to do is tell yourself what God has already done. He said, tell John the miracles that are happening and have happened. When you're struggling with life just isn't fair. Go back. And remember what God's already done in your life. Dear Lord, I can't tell you one of the most frustrating things as a pastor sometimes is when I've seen God touch somebody's life, heal a child that was on a deathbed, heal a relative that was on a deathbed, touch somebody who was sick, touch somebody who had no answers, touch somebody who didn't have money and God bless them with a job. And then down the road they say, you know, I'm just giving up. God don't feel God loves me. God hasn't done anything for me. What is wrong with you? God gave his life for you and has saved us. And we have eternity. And if we don't get another blessing in our life, he's already done enough. Amen. Amen. But you need to remind yourself what God's already done. Remind yourself of his blessings. Dear Lord Jesus, you've done so much for me, I could never thank you enough. I mean, he has healed my body. He has put money in my pocket where I didn't know where it was going to come from. My next meal was going to come from. I've been there. You know, he's touched my family. He's blessed us beyond measure. God has done some great things. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it's fair. So I need to remind myself when it was fair. Then it says, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. That word offend me is the word scandalozo, which means to be the bait on a trap. When you get offended by, by, by Jesus because he's blessing somebody else instead of you because they get the shiny car and you didn't get it, you should rejoice with other people. But if you get offended by somebody else's blessing, you have taken the bait and you're in the trap. Life isn't always fair, but God is always good. Do you know right now, if God was what I thought was fair, I would not be here today. I would not be married to that beautiful woman over there. No, no, no. Because there were things I prayed for. Thank you, Jesus, you didn't give me that. <laughs> Amen. I'm too dumb to ask for the right thing sometimes. Amen. Do you know that there have been times in my life and I'm not going to go into a long story. Some of you have heard it. Some of you will hear it eventually, you know. But I'm here today in this church because life was not fair to me. I was crushed at the last church I pastored. I was, I was hurt horribly in that. I didn't want to go on living. I actually asked God when I was physically sick to take my life. It was not fair. Thank you, Jesus, that it wasn't fair. Because I am at the happiest point of my life right now. I am more content than I have ever been. Thank you, Lord, for unanswered prayer. Life isn't always fair, but God is always good. Amen? Amen. Mm. I didn't say that first service. I must like you guys better. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, so we put ourselves in a vulnerable position when we allow uh, ourselves to hold unrealistic things of others. Well, they should be doing this for me, or they should be doing that for me. We, 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 get, we get all messed up inside when we have wrong expectations of God. God is not our piggy bank. God is not our, 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 our bud, you know, like, hey, let's hang out, God, you know. He is God Almighty, and He is closer than any friend will ever be. Yes, but He is God. My expectations of Him, I am His servant. He is not my servant. I sometimes have false expectations, wrong expectations of my wife. 
she better than I deserve, but sometimes, you know, why didn't she do it this way? Why didn't she do this? Why didn't she do that? How about if I start saying, well, why am I not doing this or doing that? Maybe I need to concentrate on my role and not hers. And if I got wrong expectations of my wife, it's going to lead to trouble. Of my children, of my church, of my pastor, and of myself. Okay, let's move on. Listen, let me tell you this. Blessed, I, I believe I read this in a book by Chuck Swindoll one time. Blessed, blessed are the Job's who suffer and stay faithful. Blessed are the Joseph's who endure treatment yet refuse uh, uh, mistreatment, unjust treatment, and, and refuse to live in bitterness. Blessed are the Hosea's who continue to walk in obedience even after their spouse leaves them. Blessed are the Paul's who pray for relief from the thorn in the flesh but yet also respond, his grace is sufficient for me. Blessed are those, are, the, uh, are those who can live with the unanswered prayer and yet rest in what they see while they believe for what they can't see. The final thing here, John's moment of doubt, and we all have doubt if we're honest, John's moment of doubt did not erase his standing with God. John's moment of doubt did not erase his standing with God. See, one of the tricks of the devil is when we have that doubt. Oh, man. God, you said this. It didn't happen. I'm really confused now, God. The enemy is saying to you, that's because he doesn't really love you. You're a failure. You've messed up too many times. He's not going to forgive you this time. You have blown it. You have really blown it. You're never going to amount to anything. So you might as well just go on out. Don't be the hypocrite. Don't keep going to church and be the hypocrite. We welcome hypocrites here. <laughs> Amen. You know, if you're here, it means you're wanting to change. <laughs> so, so, you know, but the devil will tell you, no, you can't do this, you can't do that. But you know what? That moment of doubt does not change your standing with God. God still loves you. God still loves you. Listen, those of you that are parents, you love your children, but your children don't always trust you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what do you mean they don't trust you? I mean, they don't want to go to bed at 8 o'clock. You know, they don't trust you that it's a good thing for them. They have doubts about that. But you still love them. Luke 7, 24. When the messenger of John had departed, he began, Jesus began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What, did you go out into the wilderness to see a reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see, a man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously apparelled and live in luxury are in king's courts. But what did you go out and see, a prophet? Yes, I say to you, more than a prophet. This is the one of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger to you, or before your face. I will prepare, a, who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, that among those born of women, there's not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Now, John is called many times the last prophet of the Old Testament and the first prophet of the New Testament. There had been a 400-year gap before John the Baptist was talking about Jesus that was to come, the Messiah. And now he's the first one prophesying in the New Testament about it. So some say he's the first and last. The, the last of the old, the first of the new. And here's what happened. Jesus is doing all these miracles. He's doing all these great things. And then all of a sudden, two men come up. John the Baptist disciples and they say hey look Jesus can we interrupt you for a minute yeah hold on let me finish raising this guy from the dead all right get up all right what do you want <laughs> multitudes are there Jesus is a rock star at this moment I mean things are happening and these two guys come up and say look John wants to know are you the man or do we need to keep looking just picture, Pastor Michael's up here preaching. He's sharing love with us. He's sharing vision with us. Man, he is just hitting it on all cylinders. 
Things are happening great. What a wonderful pastor we have. And some dude stands up on the front row and says, Hey, Jack, I don't know. I don't think you're all that. I don't know. I ain't never whooped nobody in the middle of church service before. If he's small and weak and frail, they ain't going to say that about my pastor. That's going to upset me at least. You know, we're going to tell security, don't let that guy in here anymore. These guys interrupt all of these miracles happening to say, are you the one or are you not all that? And Jesus said, just go back and tell them what I'm doing. Tell them what's going on. And then he looks at the crowd and he talks behind their backs as they've left in a good way. He says, what do you expect from John? I mean, were you expecting, because they said that, do you think he was a reed that was blowing in the wind? You think he was wearing soft garments? No. There's not been a greater prophet than John the Baptist. He was defending him in the middle of his doubt. Remember, John was doubting. In the middle of his doubt, the Lord Jesus defended him. I like what he said. Was he wearing these soft garments? In the Greek, it, it actually alludes to, do you think he was wearing effeminate clothing? You think he's a sissy boy? No, he's a tough guy and he's a prophet. Let me tell you, in the middle of your doubt, God has your back. Some of you, you beat yourself up when you doubt. He doesn't want you to stay there. He gives you the answer for it. He just wants you to know, listen, there's a real danger in unreal expectations. Jesus wants, let me pick it up, the trifocals. <laughs> Jesus wants to change us. Sometimes we want to change Jesus. We want Jesus to change to meet our expectations rather than drop our expectations and just meet Jesus. I don't deserve this though. Some of you are going things through things right now that you don't deserve. Like I said, in life there's been things that have happened to me I don't, I didn't deserve it I didn't but it happened anyway and in the end they made me stronger and God had something better for me like I said right here right now I am living the dream folks hard times oh yeah still face tough times sometimes I don't deserve it and you know what you tell me that I'll tell you yeah probably not there was a guy in the Bible by the name of Jacob. He worked for seven years for this girl named Rachel. Rachel was the beauty queen. He loved Rachel. He, man, she was like, she was like it. He was marrying up to marry Rachel. So he goes to Rachel's father and he says, I want to marry Rachel. I got to marry Rachel. What will it take for me to marry your daughter? He says, you worked for me for seven years and I'll give you my daughter. He worked for seven years and it seemed like the blink of an eye because he loved Rachel that much. And on his wedding day, here comes Rachel down the aisle. She's got the beautiful wedding dress. She's got the veil covering her face. And when he comes down the aisle and he marries her and they go to the honeymoon and they pull the veil off her face it's Rachel's ugly sister that he just married mm. but he's married to her it's legal so he goes back to Rachel's dad do you trick me what do I gotta do work for me for seven years I was gonna say do you got other daughters <laughs> He worked seven more years and he marries Rachel. That ain't fair. <laughs> that just ain't fair. I am so glad 
that my father-in-law didn't do that to me. I got the good-looking daughter. <laughs> Don't worry, none of them will listen to me anyway today. <laughs> Joseph was sold into slavery, falsely accused, imprisoned, forgotten. That ain't fair. Moses leads the people out of Israel. And all they do is whine, complain, moan, and open up a golden calf factory. They never thank Moses for anything. They blame him for everything. That ain't fair. And then we got Samson, who's a prostitute, loving, irreverent, disobedient to parents, vengeful, statistic, slanderous, lying, cheating, so-and-so. Yet God blesses him. And he does great and wondrous things. Hannah is a good and prayerful woman. She loves the Lord. Only one problem, she can't have children. And because of that, she's teased and made fun of and put down until God finally gives her one. That ain't fair. David does nothing wrong as a kid. He's chosen to be the next king. And this maniac king tries to hunt him down and kill him. And he has to hide in caves and, and, and fear for his life. That ain't fair. One day there's a, a, this priest named Yuza, and they're moving the Ark of the Covenant and, and the cattle that are, the, the oxen that are moving it, one of them stumbles into a trench. And as he stumbles into a trench, the Ark starts to fall and Yuza reaches out and grabs the Ark and is killed instantly because he touches the Ark of the Covenant. That ain't fair. A man named Naboth had a nice vineyard. Best in the land. The king looks at it and says, I'd like to buy it from you. I don't want to sell it. It's mine. I've worked hard for it. So the king falsely accuses him of something and has him killed so he can take his vineyard. That ain't fair. Job loses his family, his possessions, almost everything. And God said, he is a man after my heart. He is like the best of the best. That ain't fair. Hosea was told to marry a prostitute. And she was unfaithful to him. And he had, she had children by other men. And he must buy her back. And all of her stuff is really bad. She is cheated on. He's unhappy in his married life. That ain't fair. John the Baptist. Prophet of God. Forerunner of the Messiah. Introduces him to the, to the world as the Lamb of God. He's thrown in prison and beheaded. That ain't fair. Jesus Christ, the sinless one, is born of the virgin. Does miracles and wonders and fantastic things. He's falsely accused when he is turned in by one of his friends for some silver. He's brought before Pilate where he's declared innocent. And yet he is put on a cross and he dies for you and I. One of his other friends denies that he ever knew him and his other disciples scatter. That ain't fair. So you're going to face things in life that are not fair. But you will never face them alone as long as you trust in God. And sometimes the very thing that seems unfair is the springboard to something great in your life. I hated what I went through nine years ago. It was hard. Hardest time of my life. Absolutely. I would go through it all over again to be where I'm at right now. I don't want to, God. I don't like, hey. <laughs> but I'm telling you, life isn't always fair. Reach out. Get help. Ask questions. Don't hide your doubt. Trust God. And he will take what the enemy meant for evil and will turn it for good. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. another scripture that says <laughs> it's often misquoted because it's half quoted 
Many are the afflictions of the righteous. I heard that for years. I went, well, that sounds like get on board. <laughs> Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the last part of that says, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? First and foremost, listen. If you don't know the Lord, I don't know how you make it through life. Because life is unfair, not just to the Christian. It's unfair to the non-Christian too. We just have someone to lean on. We have someone to go to. I don't know how you do it without the Lord. I really don't. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you would like to know Him, if there's anybody in the room like that, would you just lift your hand real quickly? I'd like to pray for you. Anybody at all? If you're here this morning and you're honest with me, you say, Pastor, I, I've had those doubts. I, I, I've had, I'm going through it maybe right now. Life hasn't been fair to me. And I've blamed God. I've blamed myself. I've blamed my family. Instead of just getting through it with God's help. I'd like to pray for you. And if that's you this morning, just real quickly lift your hand up and say, yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Amen, amen. If I was sitting where you were at, my hand would have been up. I've had those doubts. And we'll have more in the future. Let me just pray for you. Because God does not discount your standing with Him because of that. Father God, I pray for those who lifted their hands today. I pray, God, that you would help them in the midst of their doubt in the midst of the thing they're going through, they probably did deserve that raise. They probably did deserve that promotion. They didn't deserve to be treated that way. But Lord, help them to see the bigger picture, that you have something better for them. Help them in their struggles, in their doubts, in their even confusion at times, Lord. I believe, Father, that you have a great blessing for them. Help them to see it. And help us, Lord, as a church, to be able to minister during those times to them. Lord, I thank you and I praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.